Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. By the way, I'm, uh, I'm Joshua Pinkson. I'm the student ministries pastor. If you don't know who I am, it's because I'm usually in the back with the students. And today I get to speak to the parents and everybody else in the church, and I love it. Um, <laughs> let's get ready for the word. Father, we thank you so much that you love us. Before all things, Lord, I want to say thank you from the abundance of my heart, just personally, how much I appreciate your love for me. And God, tonight I pray that everybody who comes through these doors and sits in a pew or is watching online or, or, or is back in the back or over in the, in, in the Tree Kids ministry, Father, wherever they are on this campus or wherever they are, I pray, God, tonight they would feel and experience your love. Not just because they're at church, but because there's a relationship with you, that you're drawing us into a relationship with you. God, I thank you, Lord, that we can have that relationship with you and we can experience your love because of that relationship. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Tonight I wanna talk to you about something that's been stirring around in my heart for some time and it's amazing to me that that this topic, um, before anything in my personal life had started coming around, um, God had put this, this, this topic on my heart and, and it's funny because the more I studied it out, the more I started seeing this in my own personal life. And I started noticing, I should say, it more. And tonight I want to talk to you about Jehovah Jireh, the other side of obedience. See, who's ever heard the term Jehovah Jireh, right? Does, I'm, I'm a student ministries pastor. I like class participation. Does anybody know what it means? What is it? provider, God my provider, right, that's the the general consensus, am I right? So we believe it's a name of God, right? Right, we, we, Jehovah Nisi, you know, Jehovah Sikkenu, you know, all of these different names that we, we're like, we're all, yeah, Jehovah Shalom, and we start going off in these names of God, and, and then I get to Jehovah Jireh, and it kind of deflates my boat, because I realize something, it's not a name of God. Wait, what? What? It's, it's not a name of God. And tonight I want to talk to you about what it actually means. Jehovah Jireh is not a name of God. It's a place. It's a mountain that Abraham named. It's not God. It's about what God had done for him. And tonight I want us to not have our holy cows kicked over. I want us to necessarily, I want us to see something about God that maybe I believe will bless the socks off of you because it's been blessing me tremendously. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. It says this in the English Standard Version. It says, so Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And Abraham called the name of that place, if you look in the King James Version, it says Jehovah Jireh. It just says the name. It's not saying, and he named God Jehovah Jireh. It says what? It named that place Jehovah Jireh because it says the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So apparently the American dream is about owning a home right, having enough money to retire by, 
you know, having neighbors that, that their name is Jones and apparently keeping up with them constantly, you know, like getting binoculars out and what are the Joneses doing, right? And, we, and we're constantly comparing ourselves to them. So, I mean, they might as well have that last name. Who's ever had a neighbor whose last name is Jones? Anybody? I'm just curious because I really want to know. You really have. See, there has been some, a neighbor that's last name is Joneses. <laughs> and, and that being said, being from California, I didn't really see the American dream as something that I would ever attain to. I mean, owning your home in, in San Francisco Bay Area, I mean, a medium priced house where I come from is $750,000 in the area, but in my town it's over a million that I lived in. So I didn't really ever see that as part of the American dream. I didn't really, I, 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 you know, and we had five jobs between my wife and I at one point in our lives right before moving here. And, and we were constantly, you know, saving our money. We were on Dave Ramsey's, so I'm really excited about that series in, in May about Dave Ramsey's. But, um, and we were saving our money, we were doing all of these things, and finally the housing market crashed, and I saw the American dream maybe within my grasp. I could maybe buy a house. Nope, not a house, maybe a townhouse, nope. Well, what about a condo? Is there any condos I can afford? Yes, there's a one-room condo <laughs> for 340000 I believe it was. And so we're like, yes, we can get into the housing market, right? And so we're, you know, doing our thing. And, and, but now that I've integrated more into Texas society... <laughs> I start, it's funny because when I moved here, you know, we we're looking at houses or whatnot and we're like, well, let's just rent so we, you know, our first year so we can, you know, know the area, whatnot. And, um, and, and then they told me, well, you can get into a house right now for 150. I was like, can I have three of them? <laughs> and, but I saw suddenly something within my grasp that I'd already always thought that I wouldn't ever do until I was, you know, like close to being retired. And it, it's interesting to me because right now uh, our home is going to be closing on May 30th. And for the first time, <laughs> praise the Lord, right? And, and, and I see something, and it took me a little bit longer. I had to really get to know the area. and just I had to get used to the area. Everybody has dogs. And everywhere we went, there's dogs barking. What is that? So we never agreed on where we're gonna live. And finally, after f almost three and a half years, we finally decided, okay, right next door to Pastor Don. That's it, we're moving right there. And uh, Pastor Don's right now on a beach and he's probably live streaming this right now, so. <laughs> um, but tonight, I want you to see that journey for my family and I. We wouldn't have seen the favor and blessings of God like we do if we hadn't been obedient. Tonight I want to talk to you about what's on the other side of obedience. Tonight I want you to see something. See, we came out and visited our friends here in Texas in August of 2013 and 30 days later we moved here. Why? Because the Lord had dropped something so firmly on my wife's heart and on my heart that on the drive back, the 28 hour drive back to California, I simply turned and looked over at her after going to Wahoo's Tacos in, uh, at the edge of, of New Braunfels, and she looked at me and we started laughing and we said we need to move there now. 
So we went and gave everything away, and I, I don't ever recommend this in anybody, and I'm not, I'm not advocating this. Uh, we went home, and, and I, we gave everything away, including the car, the kids. We actually have three kids, and one of them we gave away. Um, but we gave everything away, and we moved because the Lord had dropped something on our heart. And because of that obedience, we're here. Because of that obedience, we have friends that we didn't have before. Because of that obedience, we've been blessed in areas that we hadn't been blessed in Texas or in California before. Because of that obedience, we are seeing a fulfillment of a promise that God had promised us over 12 years ago. Who remembers when they were kids that, uh, uh, and their parents said to them, Billy, if you're good this week, um, and maybe treat your, your younger siblings kindly or something, at the end of this week, I'm going to take you to McDonald's and get you a dollar ice cream cone. Who's, remembered, who's ever heard that by a parent? Come on, students, if you're in here, probably raise your hand. It's been a, it was probably this week. Who's, I mean, and who in here has ever actually used that on their kids? Okay, thank you. Uh, thankfully, my wife's got her hand up, Pastor Dave. Okay, good. So I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm in good company. That's good. Who in here cringed when I said that because they've been re- reading parenting books? Anybody? Anybody at all? Oh, good. Because <laughs> I read one and I cringed after, after saying that to my kids. You see, you were, your parents or you were telling that if you were obedient that you would get a treat, right? And... <laughs> That's okay, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to what I want to talk to you tonight, I want you to see something about God. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22 and go back to verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then God said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains in which I shall tell you. What? (laughs) They say, and what's the treat? (laughs) Do I at least get McDonald's at the end? No, God just simply said, go. Go do it. Go kill your son. Now, if you're new to church, maybe new to the Bible, maybe new to, you know, Christianity in general, you're probably like, I'm out of here. God's going to tell me to kill my son? No. (laughs) And I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I want you to see something that's very important. Um, This was hard for Abraham because if you know anything about the story of Abraham, God had promised him Isaac. And... Isaac was that miracle child that over a hundred years of age, Abraham and Sarah were able to have a child. It was miraculous, and suddenly they're like, not even twins? I get one. Cool. Okay. I have one legitimate heir besides that, you know, that, that donkey of a son, that was what the Bible called him, and that, that you know, illegitimate child through his, Hagar, and his name was Ishmael, and, and, and besides him, I had one son that I'm going to give my inheritance to, and I love him. He's my everything, and now God's telling me to kill him? Kill him. Just straight up, here's a knife, take it, kill him, burn him. Yeah, it's gruesome, right? And here's Abraham. See, here's where Abraham's at. He could either obey God and, 
and not have his son that God had promised him in the first place. God gave him, I mean, it was evident. God gave him that son. And here God is trying to say, now kill him. And Abraham could either obey that or he could disobey him and still have a son. Who would disobey God? Nobody's raising their hand. You all lying to me right now. God's going to tell, well, either that or just some of you really, you guys need to read a parenting book. I mean, your kids aren't that bad. (laughs) Some of you are, you don't know my son. (laughs) I wish God would tell me that. (laughs) The students are meeting back there. They're having pizza right now. They're great kids. So let's see what happened in the rest of the story. Genesis chapter 22, go to verse three. And this is what it says. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Just stop there. He did what? God, seriously, Abraham, you're obeying God. Why? You're about to kill your son. That's just, is that just me? I'm a pastor and I'm thinking that. God, really? You're gonna, Abe, don't be dumb. It was just a test anyway. Scripture said it was a test. You didn't fail, it's fine. You'll have another test. It's always the star test later. So he rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire, the wood. Where is the lamb, though, for the burnt offering? And Abraham said in verse eight, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together, verse nine. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, jerk, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And that was my own interjection. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Really? Let's go. Look at verse eight though. This is what I want you guys to see. Abraham said something that, that here that was very pertinent and he, he wasn't just trying to con his son into getting up on the altar. Don't worry, son. Here, just give me your wrist. Here's the rope. Don't worry, God's got your back. Here, I'm just gonna get you. Don't worry, lay down on the altar. This knife isn't for you. There's a lamb right hiding right over here behind me. I'm gonna kill it, but I'm just going to see what it would look like here up on the altar. He wasn't saying that because he was trying to get Isaac up on the altar easily. He was saying that out of a firm conviction in his heart about something. He said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. See, Abraham trusted God. Abraham didn't just obey God because he thought God would change his mind. Listen to what it says in the New Testament about this account. the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 17, through the beginning of verse 19, it says, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding, what did he conclude? That God was able to raise him from the dead. Man, that's a tight relationship. And because I'm reading that account in Genesis and it says nothing about that. It says nothing about that, except for a few little things like God's gonna provide himself a lamb that will be sacrificed. Don't worry, my son. 
And I see a, a, a tight-knit relationship because he knew that if God had promised Isaac to him and there's no other way that he could have kids, that the only possible route that God would do is raise Isaac from the dead. He had that kind of relationship. Now, can I just get real with you a little bit more? That's still messed up. Come on, Abraham, seriously? You're still gonna kill him even though you believe God's gonna raise him up from the dead? Talk about PTSD. Seriously. Talk about issues. He's got daddy issues. My daddy killed me. Yeah, God raised me from the dead, but he still killed me. I'm a, uh, the faith of Isaac. Because Abraham, at this point, was in his 120s, 130s, somewhere around there. He was old. Isaac could have bested him on a bad day. Could have taken his dad down with simply like knocking his cane out. Really? And here's Isaac laying on a throne, an altar built for him, without a struggle. concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Abraham knew God so much, and here's where you can fill it. If you're taking notes on, on the app, this is a great opportunity for you to do so. Um, there's a little fill in the blank thing there for you as well. See, Abraham knew God so much that he believed if God asked him to sacrifice, sacrifice his own son that God would raise him from the dead. What is God asking you to sacrifice. What is God asking you to sacrifice? Is it a hobby? Maybe a relationship? Is it your time? Is it money? Oh, Jesus. What is it that God's asking you to sacrifice? Because here in, in, in Christendom, Christianity circles, we're so much in today's society, especially in America, it's not so much in India or the other countries of the world, we don't see it as much, but we have so much of this thing, God's lavished his love on us, God's doing this for us, God's doing this, and he loves us, he's blessed us, and we're so focused on what God's done for us, and that's legitimate, don't get me wrong, God is absolutely, everything he's ever done is all about his relationship, his love relationship with us. Everything he's ever done, he gave his own son for us to die. But that's, we so much get so focused on that, we don't become introspective and start focusing on what we need to be doing for God. The Old Testament says that obedience is better than sacrifice. What's on the other side of obedience? What is it? It's blessing. It's life abundantly. See, we, we, we get... Sometimes we just need to be obedient. When you have kids, who's got kids in here? We see our kids, we're just, but they ask, why? Why? Who's ever said, because I said so? I, Luke heard that the other day from me. And, and in every parenting that I book that I say, they don't say that. Don't say that. Give them the why. Tell them why. Explain to them. Just don't shut them up and, and, and say, because I said so. But you just get there just because I said so. And see, what we happens, though, is in Scripture... God was looking for the obedience. Sometimes you and I, we're adults, most of us, even if we don't act like it. And we, we just need to learn the art of obedience. What is God asking from you? 
And it's uncomfortable, right? I mean, that's a little uncomfortable because then we're thinking, oh, it's like JFK. What, do not ask what my country can do for, or what your country can do for you, but what you can do for our, your country. Well, that's like Christianity. I, I, in seminary, I took a class called uh, Disciplines of Christian Living, and it was all about what we as Christians were required to do, not in a sense of law, but out of love. What was the art of being Christian? And, and this teacher believed that the art of being a Christian had been lost in this generation. And he was talking, how often do you just simply go out and praise the Lord because he's God, not because you want to feel goosebumps? But I digress. So what is God asking you to sacrifice? Realize this on that note. What God asks you to sacrifice, he will put abundant life in its place. See, where he asked Abraham to sacrifice his own son, Abraham knew, though, that even if he had put the knife through him and his son had died, that God would miraculously, because he had put them on the altar of sacrifice, God would miraculously bring that which was dead back to life. See, God wants the abundant life in you. Now you guys can get excited. See, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 said this, but without faith, talking about Abraham, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If we know God like Abraham knew God, If we know him, if we have that intimate relationship, we know that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. For those who are diligently obedient. For those who simply say, God, what can I do for you today? That when God simply says, by the way, what you're saying to your, to your spouse or what you're saying, how you're acting towards your children, it's not okay. You need to go apologize to them. We need to simply put our pride down and say, you know what? Because God has put that on my heart, I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to go apologize. Or that hobby that I have that's distracting me from my family or from my time spent with the Lord, you know what? I'm going to put that down. Why? Not because of the uh, blessing that's going to come as a result of the obedience, but because it's obedience. And because you have the desire to please God above all things, you suddenly start seeing and reaping the blessings of God in your life. We don't seek the reward, we seek the rewarder. That one was for free. This is where we realize something about God. When he asks us to obey, he will provide because he's the rewarder, because he's the rewarder. And when we recognize that about God, we desire to serve him, not because he's the rewarder, but because we know his nature. Genesis 22, back to the story, verse 11, and this is what happened. So Abraham's about to, he's taking the knife and he's about to stab his son and suddenly this happened. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, don't lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. 
And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up as a bird offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And this is what God said was the result of Abraham's obedience. In verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offsprings as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And this is what I want you to see. Because you have obeyed my voice. Because we obey the voice of the Lord, because we desire to seek him and and, and desire to please him, we start seeing the result of that obedience, which is provision, which is inspiration, which is blessing in our relationships, which is restoration of those damaged relationships, maybe with our children or a loved one. See, we need to be saying this in this spot. In this place, God has provided. Right here on this day, God brought about a great work. When we see, when we are obeying God in the right place that God has asked us to be, we need to look for God's blessings in our lives. Because when we're looking for the blessings of God in our lives, then we can do as Abraham did and said right here in this spot. We need to mark them. We need to name those spots in our lives Jehovah Jireh. Because when we're obedient and we start seeing the result of that obedient, we need to remind ourselves or else we're going to get caught up in the bad times. We're going to start saying to ourselves, man, woe is me. God's never blessed me. But the moment we start marking this spot right here, In this spot, in this Jehovah Jireh, the place where God's provision rests, I will remember who he is. And when we start doing that, when we start doing that, we'll start seeing and remembering more of the blessings of God in our lives. In our homes, we need to start declaring Jehovah Jireh. In our workplaces, we need to start saying Jehovah Jireh. In our, in our, in our schools, we need to start saying Jehovah Jireh. In our bodies, we need to start saying Jehovah Jireh. In our relationships, we need to start saying Jehovah Jireh because God is the great provider. I have obeyed, he has provided. Tonight, you might have not recognized why you came in here. You may have not known what was going to be spoken tonight, but I believe because God had been stirring it on the inside of me for a while, God had a purpose for you to be here. That maybe in a week, maybe in a month, whatever that reason is, that you'll be able to go back and say in this spot, Jehovah Jireh. Maybe you're in here and you say, I don't even have a relationship with God. The greatest provision in your life is salvation, is relationship with God who absolutely adores you. Because I want you to see something in closing. Later on that same spot, Jehovah Jireh, a temple was built. The same temple that's in Jerusalem. The same temple where the veil was torn when Jesus was crucified and died. 
See, when Abraham had said, don't worry, my son, God will provide a lamb for himself, you have to recognize in the exact same spot that God provided a lamb for you and I. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.